Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top-quality, personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. I love to give this analogy of, you know, when you close out a relationship, even if the relationship is no longer working, you're still moving at an accelerated pace in terms of intimacy, right? There's a tremendous amount of intimacy and commitment and connection and loyalty. And it's like you're driving at 80 miles an hour. And then that relationship ends and you're 
attempting to walk into new relationships, it's so important to regulate yourself and remember to not start a new relationship at 80 miles an hour because that's the speed that you're used to driving at. So it's like you're so accustomed to being super intimate and super open and really invested and really committed because you're that was the pace you were working at. Right. In a relationship, it's important to like down regulate yourself. And we're starting at five miles an hour and move at that pace, which is really difficult when you're patterned, but very important to build a safe relationship going forward. Embarking on the journey into the next chapter of your life after divorce is often met with a mixture of excitement and fear. Everything is affected. Transitioning home and career, managing your finances, parenting as a single mom or dad, and managing the emotions around step-parents in your children's lives. The world of online dating, reconnecting with who you want to be in this new chapter of life, and finding your passion, purpose, sensuality, sexuality, and so much more. Tune in as we speak to the experts in every area of post-divorce life and support you to enter and navigate it as an adventure with a growth mindset and a heart of possibility. Welcome, Malaya. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this podcast. I have been chatting with some of my clients about this particular topic of green flags and, you know, what are all the different things you should be looking for as you're dating someone, you're enjoying them and that next big step. And so before we get into the meat of this, which I'm so excited about, Alea, can you just share a little bit of your story with our audience and how you got into doing what you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So there's so much to the story and I'm just thinking which parts would be most resonant to your audience. So I think I'll actually start with my personal story very briefly, especially on a podcast about relationships after divorce. I'm divorced. And at this point, I'm remarried, both to the same person. I am remarried to my ex-husband. And so if we're talking about doing the work in between one relationship to another or post-divorce into another relationship, I have a tremendous amount of personal experience with that work and how to create a new relationship that, you know, is more profound, more intimate, more safe, and especially more healthy than the last one that ended for whatever reason. And it's really tied into my journey as well as a sex and relationship coach. So much of what I learned in my personal life and in my professional life have each enhanced the other. I started off as a preschool teacher, actually. I taught in preschool for a decade and I really loved it and I was really good at it. But I also liked money and the two don't don't work together. You can't have both, you know, just you can't have both, especially not in Florida where I lived at the time. And when I was searching for a new career, coaching kind of just came to me. A friend was talking to me about coaching and I was thinking, well, I could be a coach. I like talking. 
I like working with people and I'm very into growth and emotional health and self-awareness. So I entered into the coaching space. And then one day on my Instagram, somebody asked me for my best books, my, my best recommended personal development books for adults. And one of the books that I spoke about was a sex book. And I briefly mentioned how so many women are married for so many years or in long-term relationships or have children and they have yet to even have their first orgasm. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was saying that, you know, that's really not okay. And not something that I want women to empower themselves and learn about and experience more pleasure. And my Instagram was still very small at the time. And I got 40 DMS, which was so many DMS at the time. And it blew up from there. And I was like, well, we need to talk about sex. Wow. Yeah. And I come from an Orthodox Jewish background where you guys didn't talk about sex that much. (laughs) No, not at all. I mean, really, really, really not at all In, in, in our communities. Either sex is being spoken about in your own home, if you happen to have parents that are aware enough or progressive enough, but on an educational level, the first time you're taught about sex, typically in the ultra-Orthodox community is when you are engaged to be married and your bridal or groom educator. On a formal level, that's the first time it's spoken about. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and most people aren't comfortable talking about sex, period. Whatever your background, sex is still stigmatized and shameful and we have inhibitions and it's uncomfortable. And I am comfortable talking about pretty much anything. (laughs) At my core, I am an educator. So I started talking about sex publicly um, in the Orthodox space, which was really revolutionary. And my career kind of kept evolving from there. And from there, I went from you know, life coaching into sex and relationship coaching. And what I have started doing more and more and more is I give workshops, online courses on topics of sex and relationships. And I really reach a lot of my audience through these workshops. And so much of it is just talking about things that everybody needs to hear about, wants to hear about, and doesn't really have that much access to. And so my most recent course was actually a dating course. And that's when you reached out about this podcast. So it really lined up beautifully. That's beautiful. I just have to say, I mean, I come from my mom um, was raised by, you know, an Italian woman right off the boat. So there was no sex talk in her household. And, you know, she brought that into our household. And yeah, I have two sisters and it's very, and in today's day and age for our kids, it's very dangerous when the only place you're finding things is like, you know, on the internet, but at least there's some good information too. But back when we were growing up and I would say I fall into the center of that category, like uh, being comfortable with it, having been well-educated about it, knowing how how to talk to a new partner about it. Not, I'm not shy, but that's an area I would be shy about. And so this is the, right. So that's, that's great. And I, and I know we're not actually audience. We're not talking a ton about sex today, although this is a very good teaser to go find Alea and her website and learn more about what she does. And so, 
you you went into sex and relationship um, coaching and you know, we've just been in the process of speaking to a number of dating coaches about, you know, how to, how to have the right mindset and, and how to write a profile and the kinds of pictures and, you know, how to, how to swipe and message and, and you're kind of, this is actually our last episode of our life, life after divorce series. We're ending it with you as a bridge into another series on uh, when you're in that relationship and that new relationship. And so this is such an important piece because one of the things that I've spoken to some of the other dating coaches about is how um, individuals and especially women um, are too quick to jump into the committed. And that's why I love the topic of green flags and, and how do you know? And I think part of it that I hope you speak to as well is once you go out on a date with someone two or three times, you might, if you, especially if you feel loyal, you might feel like you're actually cheating on them by dating other people. And so I think it's so important to, to wrap up this, this dating segment with what are we looking for? How do we know that narrowing the field and committing is really the right thing to do, especially when you've had a failed marriage and you're maybe not so confident in your judgment. And so what if we just dive right in? Well, I want to comment on two things that you said. One is about, you know, committing too quickly. Mm. And I love to give this analogy of, you know, when you close out a relationship, even if the relationship is no longer working, you're still moving at an accelerated pace in terms of intimacy, right? There's a tremendous amount of intimacy and commitment and connection and loyalty. And it's like you're driving at 80 miles an hour. And then that relationship ends and you're attempting to walk into new relationships. It's so important to regulate yourself and remember to not start a new relationship at 80 miles an hour because that's the speed that you're used to driving at. So it's like, you're so accustomed to being super intimate and super open and really invested and really committed because you're, that was the pace you were working at. Right. In a relationship, it's important to like down regulate yourself. And we're starting at five miles an hour and move at that pace, which is really difficult when you're patterned but very important to build a safe relationship going forward. So I want to share a slightly different perspective. I, I believe I was parked and not moving for a very long time before my divorce. And so for those of you listening who are like, yeah, I wasn't at 80 miles an hour, like even still like that, there's that perspective too, where, um, I mean, I thought my woman was dead. It had been because the relationship was dead for so long. And so that comes with its own fear and resistance as well. Yeah. Well, that's also the question of, you know, because I get asked how soon is too soon to start dating again, right? And a question that I put back is, well, when did your relationship end? Because oftentimes relationships end long before someone moves out, long before the divorce takes place. You could have still been married and sharing a room for a year and your relationship has ended a long time ago. So it absolutely has to do with time. It's, yeah. it's, where have you been in that time? Right. 
Right. So you said you had two things. So one was if you're going at 80 miles an hour, you need to regulate and slow down as you enter dating. Was there a second point that you wanted to make? Yeah, where you said about um, of having a failed marriage in your past. I it took me a long time to not see my divorce as a failure. Mm. And I remember with like profound clarity I had a call with my coach at the time who had also been through a divorce, which I think was very helpful for me. And I was saying something about not trusting myself in another relationship and maybe I'll make the same mistakes. And she stopped me and she said, until you stop seeing your marriage as a failure, you will not trust yourself to move forward. And it was so true. I was carrying this sense of shame, this sense of failure, a complete break in my trust in myself because I saw my divorce as meaning that I had failed, that I had made bad choices. And I really had to shift that and rewrite the story that I had written that a divorce does not mean a failed marriage. A divorce doesn't mean you failed. And just really rewriting that and and trusting myself again without that energy of I failed attached to it. I love that. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So here are our audiences. They've been listening to all the advice of the dating coaches. They've got their pictures, their profile, their swiping, their messaging. They, They meet the guy or the gal. They start like dating that person more regularly. And here we are, like, how do you know when to go from that, from dating multiple people to, um, to making that decision to narrow, narrow the field and, and commit? Mm-hmm. So in my dating post-divorce, eventually I learned to ask this one question that really changed the way that I dated. And I would have never thought to ask it before my first marriage. So, you know, when I was doing that all for the first time. But once I started asking that question, it opened so much clarity for me. I started asking men, why did your last relationship not work out? And whether they were divorced or had come off of long-term relationships, that answer gave me so much information that I've actually started teaching clients and course participants how to navigate this conversation. And I actually would not wait that long to ask this question because it's a light and fair enough question that you can ask it early on. But the answer is so deep and illuminating that it can really save you time and energy and and know who to invest in. So I would ask, why did your last relationship end? And first of all, in their answer, in most cases, I would be able to figure out their attachment style pretty quickly. You know, um, oh, my my ex complained that I was working all the time or, oh, my ex was really insecure and she just needed a lot of reassurance from me, right? And I'm like, oh, hello, avoidant, hello, <laughs> avoidant, right? It's like I was able to spot it so quickly in that. But I've expanded it into this larger conversation. And I think especially when you're coming off of a divorce, a massive green flag is, can both of you answer these questions? So A, is there a willingness and an openness 
to answering these types of questions because any defensiveness or um, unknowing of the answers is really information for you because Mm. the questions of why did your last relationship end? What would your ex say about you? Okay. What would they say about you? Like I always knew, let's say that I felt comfortable if, if a guy I was dating wanted to talk to my ex-husband, I would have given the phone number. Not because the only thing my ex would have to say about me would be glowing reviews, but because I was willing to share what I contributed to the toxicity of our relationship or to the dysfunction. So I trusted my ex would say good things about me. But if he also shared some of the hurtful or unhealthy things I did, that wouldn't be new information, right? And then the next questions of this conversation is, okay, so what did you contribute to the dysfunction or the dance or the toxicity or this chaos in your relationship? Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Right, ding, 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 ding. And that's (laughs) how you answer those questions. Right. And, and I think that that last one, because that's the whole focus of our coaching practice is, you know, we can wax on about his or her issues and problems and dysfunction. Let's keep the focus on you because it takes two. It always takes two. And so if you're sitting across from someone who is cute and funny and charismatic and all of these things, and it's like, yeah, it was all her you know, or it was all him and he was this and she was that, um, that I would imagine is a red flag. Massive red flag, no matter the circumstances. And, you know, whenever I talk about this, I get asked about abuse, um, because that's a very fair, well, what do you mean? What about abuse? Right. But in any dance, there's two partners. So in the dance of abuse, where on the surface, it would seem like, well, there's very clearly, you know, the bad one and the innocent one. The victim and the villain, absolutely. Right? And the victim is just innocent. Like, it's just like a happenstance. They ha- right? But it happened to me. About, mm-hmm, when we talk about radical responsibility and real self-awareness and healing and growth, then there's the question of, well, what did I tolerate? Or what did I allow? And if we remove the shame or the blame from those things, sometimes it is as gentle and honest as I did not know how to assert myself. Mm. I didn't know I deserved better. I didn't know how to have boundaries. And so that's not a shame or blame thing. And it is important that you would recognize that so that you don't repeat it, right? Because this is all about what dance would we have in our relationship going forward, which then the next question is, what have you changed? What mm. have you worked on? What have you healed? Right. If you can tell me, you know, in my first marriage, I was heavily codependent. I actually started healing my codependency in my marriage, in my first marriage. Right. So I would tell you, right, I was codependent. I was a martyr. I did the caretaking and the self-sacrificing. But I could also answer you how I changed that healed it, worked on it. Right. Right. Every divorce.
divorce has its unique challenges. Having helped people in many different high-conflict divorces, I know that when children and alcohol are involved, the situation becomes even more challenging. Whether you are concerned about child safety when an ex is co-parenting, or trying to prove your sobriety for custody, finding a reliable system that you trust can be difficult. That's why I love and recommend Soberlink. Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system makes it easy to document sobriety in real time, ensuring child safety and providing tangible evidence of sobriety to the court as needed. It's easy to use and has features like facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting that all work together to improve your life during this difficult time. To help those in my audience who are going through divorce with children, I've worked with Soberlink to develop five tips for divorces involving children that you can download at www.soberlink.com backslash JBD. And the, the closing question for this conversation would be, so what would you do differently given mm. the same trigger today? Given that same scenario or situation, right? And can you give me an example? Like if, if they could give you an example, I mean, that's just like gold. That's pure gold, right? If you can go through the whole conversation mm. and it's like, oh, well, you know, I had a similar circumstance come up with somebody that I went out with for three weeks you know, six months ago and this trigger came up and, and here's what I did, you know, here's what I would have done previously. And here's what I did now. I mean, that's golden. And I think when you're talking about choosing a new relationship after a divorce, which is traumatic and painful, it's like, this is the time to really have your bar be high. Yeah. Right. And you want to ask these questions and get these answers. Like you want to do better this time around. So, so let me poke a little bit for the listener who's going, God, that feels pretty uncomfortable. It feels like this like really heavy conversation. And if we're having a good time, like I feel like I'd be a killjoy, like all of that kind of fear and thinking. What would you say to that person? I would honor the question because I understand it. I get it. And I would first ask them, is your resistance coming from a space of really wanting to go with the flow of your dates and not come across as clinical or an interrogator, which is super valid? Or is some of your question coming from a fear of being too much or being seen as dramatic or demanding or needy, right? If it's coming from any of those spaces, then it's like, okay, come back inside yourself, right? And anchor yourself and you deserve to be safe in your dating. You deserve to ask the important questions. And if you're scared that the person will, you know, write you off as being too demanding or too pokey or too needy, that in itself should, you know, pay attention to that, right? Is there real safety to, 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 to pursue your safety, Right. And if there isn't, then is this really the person for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first question of, you know, well, we don't want dating to turn into an interrogation. Right. Right. 
this is a conversation that can happen over time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be that you go through like, well, I have 10 questions on this topic and we're going to afford dessert. (laughs) You know, on date number two, where you can, you can start off with just, oh, why did your last relationship end? Right. And see where that conversation evolves. And if it feels right and comfortable and it's flowing to then go, oh, well, you know, like if I called your ex, what would they say about you? Right. It's also, how do you ask these questions? You know, if you're like, well, I listened to a podcast um, and the coach gave me <laughs> questions to ask and um, <laughs> right. Like, you know, but if it's just, well, if I called your ex, what would right. they say about you? Playful, flirty. Right. So there's, there's the energy behind the question is what I'm hearing you yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. You can ask the first two questions on date three right. and revisit the conversation mm-hmm. on date five. Right. You know, hey, we spoke about this. I wanted to, I was curious, like, what have you, what have you worked on since then? I, I dated a guy once who was just like he in the world he was just like I he was smart and he was funny and he was he was he was he was a, a complete gentleman and then we started having this one conversation he said to me well if we're going to talk about that emotional stuff I you know I, I don't want to <laughs> and that falls under the category of good information good information let's enjoy the rest of the evening it will be the last one <laughs> yes so I, I was dating this guy and I had originally asked him this question. Why did your last relationship end? Right. And his, his ex-wife, I felt like he worked too much. And then, you know, a week later we were on another date and I revisited it. Right. And I said, cause he's, he's still crazy busy at work. And I said, you know, like, I'm just curious. I know this happens in your marriage, but I'm also hearing you talk about work now and how little time you have and, and how much work is taking up so much of your time and energy. So I'm just kind of curious, like what would be different? Like, do you have time for a relationship now based on what happened then and what you're sharing now? Right. I kind of just, just responding to what he was putting out there. Wow. Did he freeze? I mean, (laughs) he went into this just like internal spiral. I think he didn't even have the awareness himself that he was maybe doing it again. And it was so overwhelming for him. And he was like, oh, shit. Well, you know, well, now I'm all freaked out about it. Let's not talk about this. Let's not ruin today. Let's just let's just have a nice time, you know. Um, and then he ghosted me. So right, right. Th- right after that. Right. And I was like, OK, obviously, it feels really cool to be ghosted. It's, it's, it's pretty disrespectful. At the same time, I was so grateful yes. that I knew to ask these questions because it that's it. I got the information I needed. I didn't end up investing more time and heart because this would have happened. Yes. You know, so I was like, oh, thank goodness I, you know, brought this out. Brilliant, brilliant set of questions. Love it, love it. And these are the kinds of things that really you get under the covers and you start seeing what's what's really going on and how good of a fit um, the other individual might be. So if the first, I'll, go ahead. I do want to add one more thing because I think it's really important. Um, the grace piece of it all is that it doesn't mean that it's only a green flag if they're like, well, I did this, this, and this in my marriage, and I have learned this, this, and this, and so I will never again do this, this, and this. 
we're not looking for finished people or perfection, Mm. having done all the work already. You know, it's okay if you or somebody you're dating expresses, well, these were some things that came up in my marriage and I have worked through and learned these things. And, you know, and the boundaries piece I've gotten really great at, and I'm still working on the time management and balancing both work and relationship. I'm a work in progress around it. It's still, that's okay. We don't need completed people. Well, and I would say for the people who show up that I've, I have perfected myself, that might be its own red flag too, because it is progress, not perfection. And we are all, you know, continuing to be that work in progress throughout our lives. So I love that you said that. That's a really good point. And you don't want to have too critical an eye, but you want to be, you want to have open ears and hear what's going on. Yeah. Love that. Love that. So, so we're going through four of your six um, green flags that you go into depth in. And what's the name of the program that that you launched right when I reached out to you? It's a dating course called Date to Relate. So it's two parts. Part one is all about the season from I would like to be dating until I'm ready to get serious with somebody everything in that space. So the self-work, the red flags, the green flags. And then part two of the course is now that I'm ready to deepen a relationship and create greater intimacy, how do I do that? Because we talk about intimacy, but that's a skill. Vulnerability is a skill. And most people don't know how to be vulnerable or experience vulnerability or create intimacy. So this is just guiding you on how to create that in a relationship. Okay, beautiful. So there's the first part has um, six green flags. Alea is going to be sharing four of them with us. So the first one is asking about why your last relationship didn't work out. What's the next uh, interesting question for us to engage in? So the next, and actually when I started talking about green flags in the course, this was the first thing I said. The first green flag is, are you aware of and ready to walk away over red flags? Mm. Nothing is a green flag if you don't also have red flags. It's the same concept as you can't give a yes if you don't have your capacities for no's. Because then... Everything is a good, everything happens in contrast. So do you know what red flags look like? Which I'm hearing that all of your listeners at this point should know what red flags look like. So here you have a podcast on that, but are you aware of, and there's universal red flags. And then there would also be your personal red flags, right? Which is just your own compatibility, which I do go into more in the course. And then would you walk away? Are you prepared to say no to a person, to a relationship when red flags present themselves? Then you can trust and pay attention to green flags. And within this, and I love how you said it before, that especially post-divorce, there can be so much of, you know, whose fault and he did, she did, they did, you know, them out of me. But really in all of this, you are your own greatest green and red flag. 
So can you recognize when you are showing up as a green flag, right? Would you want to date you? Are you a healthy person to date? Are you showing up? Because we all have a sense of, oh, I'm acting in my own integrity right now, or this is the person I want to be. This is the partner I want to be. This is how I want to show up in a relationship. We, We largely have a sense of what that looks like. So are you aware when you have stepped out of your own green flags? Mm. Right? Are you aware when you are operating out of your own integrity or when you are operating from your triggers? Right. Right? And then what do you do about that? Right. So, so if we can just slow that down a little bit. Um, so if I were on a date, uh, one, one of the books I love is um, Conscious Loving. And they talk about telling the microscopic truth. And so being on a date and uh, maybe your date, let's say, treating the server in a way that's really not aligned with your integrity, but we're having such a good time and, you know, it's such a small thing and I don't want to make a fuss. Like, so is that a good example of not just their behavior, but if I then just swallow that and just smile and keep on going, where does that pull into what you're talking about? So that would mean that the things that you are calling green flags right? We're having such a good time. I like their company. They're nice to me. I'm attracted to them, right? All of those things, which would be green flags, can no longer be green flags because you have ignored the red flag. So instead of those green flags being green flags, they are actually justifications, denials, suppressions, dismissing, you know, shutting down your own intuition, your own inner voice, right? So what would be a green flag is now just ignoring the red flag. Right. It's like highlighting right. the green flags, which aren't really green anymore. Right? So would you say in a case like that, um, the value of, without shaming the value of saying, wow, that, that, um, the way you spoke to that server was, was really harsh. What's that about? Or that was, you know, that was pretty uncomfortable for me, like literally just opening the conversation and seeing, going a little deeper, seeing how they responded to that would be staying in your own authenticity, speaking your truth. And the fear of mine come up. It's like, Oh, I'm about to blow up this whole date, but what are you really blowing up? If that's what you're facing. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Right. So if you can pay attention to red flags and really focus on them and explore them, Mm -hmm. that's where real safety comes in. So it's at some point to discuss what happened there. So maybe you don't want to do it right then in the moment because maybe you're feeling a little bit thrown off by it. Or maybe you feel like if they're in a triggered state, it's not necessarily the time to bring something up, right? But kind of giving yourself a a, a timeline of, you know, maybe at some point before our next date, I'm going to have to bring this up. So either in the moment, like, hey, whoa, what what just happened there? You know, right? Or 
uh, you know, or bringing it up later, I want to revisit what happened in the restaurant because it was uncomfortable for me to observe that. And I just want to understand what happened there. Right. And, And remember over and over, I want all of you to really remember that this is your life on the line here. So you have every right to ask the questions you need to ask. Right. This is somebody that you're considering entering a relationship with, sharing your life with. It has to work for you. It has to be safe for you, you know, and definitely before you would get closer to the person. Right. It's kind of like when we when we work with children. Right. So skills are for children. Many skills are scaffolded. Right. They kind of grow on top of each other, like math, for example. You recognize numbers, right, in order to be able to add them, or you understand that there's value in terms of quantity in order to do addition, right? So if you're trying to teach a child addition, but they they cannot tell the difference between three and eight, it's like we don't move forward until... We have ensured that this skill is in place. So we go back to teaching number identification before we move to addition. So applying that same concept to dating, if there is a hiccup or a concern or a red flag or a disruption, we don't move forward with building intimacy or deepening a relationship until we have resolved this. I love that. And I love the way you just brought your whole teaching concept into it. That's, that's just brilliant. I think that everybody listening is, is like nodding their head and saying, yeah, wow, that makes so much sense. Never would have thought of it that way, but that makes so much sense. Yeah. I do this with my team members as well, right? If there was a mistake that happened with a task I gave my assistant, I don't give him the next step in the task, which is actually many of our tendencies would say, oh, I don't want to go into the conflict. It's going to be uncomfortable. I don't want to make him feel bad. I don't want to call him out. Let's just brush it over. Let me just do the next task. But no, right? Real conscious communication and conscious loving, like you said, means, and I'm like, okay, right? I tell my assistant, where did we go wrong here? Was I not clear in my communication? Did you not pay attention to what I said, right? What went wrong here Mm. so that we can move forward? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Love this, Alea. Excellent. So are you ready to say goodbye over red flags? Um, Mm -hmm. If you're sweeping them under the rug, if you're ignoring them, if you're excusing them, if you're minimizing them, then the answer to that question is no. And if someone's listening and they're going, oh, shoot, I'm a no, what do you want to say to them? My biggest thing would be to explore why. Mm. It is in your why that your healing or your growth lies. Is it a no because you are just so wanting a relationship and so wanting a connection, right? And maybe you're afraid that you're getting older or, you know, there's slim pickings at this point, right? Is it a no because you are conflict avoidant? You're afraid of conflict, right? Why 
are you struggling with that? And that points you in the direction of the next thing you need to learn or work on or grow in. Perfect. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So it's like, and then are you, and then the green flag is, are you willing to put in the work to do this healing or do this work? Right. When I got, when I met a guy that I was very excited about and it was like an immediate burst of our attachment styles. I mean, I saw his avoidant and my anxious attachment came just like flaring up. It was, it was like such an intense, it was like, all it took was three days and like, right. (laughs) I was observing this, right. And kind of that thing of, you know, you are your own greatest green and red flag, right? Like how am I showing up? So I, I saw him and I, and I knew this is his avoidant stuff. Right. And I could have just focused on him. He's avoidant. That's why this is happening. Right. But I was like, man, that's really irrelevant to me. What's happening with me? And my anxious is just, I watched myself be so completely crazy for 48 hours just watch myself anxious and panicking and wanting to message him again and, and, and overthinking and obsessing. And, and I was just watch that for 48 hours. And I was like, Oh honey, this has to stop. Like this is girl you need. And I booked an immediate double therapy session with my therapist, like the next day. And I was like, what happened here? I need, I need to fix this. Where did I go wrong? What did I do here? Right. And she was just like, okay, here we go. You know, and, and that never happened again after that. I love that. I love that you saw it, you, you faced it, you immediately addressed it and you were able to recalibrate. And the beauty of that is, is when we're honest with ourselves, when we're vulnerable with ourselves, um, we, we can, we can move our own ball forward so far. We can get really healthy and, you know, Part of what I love about the concept of of dating is it's all like this big exercise, right? You're and and if you're not, and my audience, I can't imagine that they're keeping the focus on the other person, or they wouldn't be listening to us still. So if you're keeping the focus on yourself, like you did, it's like, well, what's going on with me? Well, that's where the treasure is. That's where the diamonds are. And so that's beautiful. And so if part of your dating um, experience is learning some of those areas that you really still need to heal and refine, then that's that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love how you say dating is just an exercise in self-awareness, growth and healing. Yeah. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm 
with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today. We explored uh, why their last relationship didn't work. Uh, We explored whether we were ready to say goodbye over red flags. What's another um, green flag that we want to um, consider? I love talking about chemistry in dating. Mm. From so many different angles, chemistry is an important one. Some people... Right. When you're especially if you're coming from maybe any sort of a religious background where the value placed on chemistry can be lower. It's like other things are highlighted and hierarchical. Right. Where, you know, intellectual compatibility or religious compatibility or values compatibility sometimes takes a higher precedence over chemistry. And so chemistry is not held as important enough And especially when people are so wanting relationship or so wanting companionship or so wanting family, right, or children, whatever that is, oftentimes chemistry can fall lower down on the list. And it it falls lower down on the list. And that's okay for the dating season or maybe the beginning of the relationship season where you're getting the other things that you really wanted. But this has a way of catching up to people. Really does. It's something I hear a lot from people, you know, that now that we've been married for three years or four years or eight months, I'm still, there's no attraction. There's no chemistry. I'm not enjoying sex. That has a way of showing up down the line. And I just wish people would place more value on it. And this is important to get honest with yourself of how important is chemistry for me and really getting honest about that, you know, and it's something that I wish more couples would actually talk about because within chemistry is also sexual compatibility, right? And sex is, it's something that people do when they're dating, and sometimes they can even do it really quickly, but it's something that people forget to talk about while dating. You know, I love that you just said that. One of the things um, I've spoken about is how in our society, many people are much more comfortable getting physically naked than emotionally naked. And talking about sex with all of your clothing on um, is is sometimes much more uncomfortable than just shedding your clothing and doing it. And can you just talk a little bit, especially since we've got a sex expert here, can you talk a little bit about what that's about? About why people struggle with that or what it would look like to talk about sex? Well, why, why people tend to, why, why, in some cases, maybe many cases, it's more comfortable to just do it than talk about it. Why the talking about it is actually um, harder or more uncomfortable? 
So I actually just thought of this kind of for the first time because of the way that you phrased that question. Um, I thought about this answer. So many people show up sexually in in people-pleasing mode or in self-sacrifice mode where it's like, I'll just go along with what you like. I won't speak up, right? I'll, I'll pretend I like it or I'll even convince myself that I like what you like or I'll just, whatever happens, happens and I'll just be in the experience and that's the sex. Whilst, so there's a lot of space in the activity and engagement of sex to not be vulnerable and not be honest. Whilst in talking about sex, you have to actually share your real desires, your real preferences, your real needs, your real interests, your real fantasies. And that type of exposure, vulnerability, or honesty is very overwhelming for many people. Right. So it's just way easier to have sex right. than to talk about sex. And you can have sex even if you're not enjoying or it's not what you want and hide behind your own smile, closed eyes, um, uh, behavior as if it's all that. Right, exactly. Yeah, or letting your partner lead. So it's like you're just like, you know, following along with it. Nobody has to really know that in your head you're thinking, ow, ew, eh, (laughs) I want, what if, right? Nobody has to know that. But in a conversation, you can't really have a conversation about sex where, you know, one person would be like, well, I just love, you know, slow, sensual, kissing your way down the body. And you're like, me too. And then I just really love to get naked very quickly. Me too. And then I just love to have dirty talk. Me too. You, you wouldn't do that in conversation. Okay. In the activity, oftentimes it actually does look like that. Yes. Yes. That, that's such a good point. And I'm curious. I, I actually have a neighbor who I recently um, crossed paths with. And, and he said that uh, his relationship is breaking up. And he said, and, um, I think he was married and he said, I I married my best friend. And, uh, and when he started elaborating, uh, they knew each other well, they trusted each other. There was nothing in the bedroom. And, and I think, so as you're talking about chemistry, I just kind of want to throw that at you because, um, and I think they've been together for, you know, like 10 years. And he's just like, I, it, now my best friend is no longer, now it's like pale because I have this need and this desire and this part of me. And, um, and we're two like really, you know, we're really friendly roommates under, under the same roof. Yeah. And I, that's why I always tell my clients or my friends, because there is like a really big push to focus on everything else and Mm. you know if everything else is good maybe the the sex will fall into place or other Mm. things are more important right and I always Mm. say but you're not looking for a best friend you're not Mm. looking for a roommate unless you are asexual which is wonderful and valid and if both of you communicate that right unless sex actually isn't a priority for both of you 
you're not looking for that type of relationship. If you're looking for a romantic sexual partnership, that is a huge component of it. It is as much one of the boxes as is financial compatibility, religion, value, and it's something to explore while dating. Do I have chemistry? Are we compatible? Right? Do we do we want the same sex lives? And within this, I, I also want to specify that, and this is something I've also given a course on this, on the five erotic blueprints, which many people don't know about. But in short, it's it's the love languages for sex. Oh, I've never heard of that. People don't even know that there's a concept of it. But the same way there's five love languages of expressing and receiving love, there are five sex languages of expressing and receiving pleasure. And many, many, many couples think that they are mismatched sexually or incompatible sexually, and they don't realize that they're just speaking two different languages. And it's not about finding a partner that speaks the same sex language as you, which is nice if that happens, right? But it's more important to know your own erotic blueprint, your own sex language, know that of your partners, and both be willing and open to speak each other's language or feed each other's blueprints. And these are things to talk about on dates. Like, but, well, I'm very comfortable talking about sex in general. I haven't noticed. I'm like, let me show you how to do it. You know, it's also why I give courses on these topics and couples take them and it facilitates conversations. But I will bring this stuff up. Well, not anymore because I'm married, but I'll bring this stuff up on dating. You know, I'll be like, what's a fantasy you've never tried? Like, let me tell you a bit about these blueprints. Which do you think is yours? Or, you know, let's let's discuss it. Like, what do you like? What do you not like? You know, and these are all green flags, like the chemistry piece. Um, and within that, especially when we're talking about couples that have a divorce in their past or trauma, things like that, it's really important also to differentiate between the chemistry born out of adrenaline, born out of excitement, attraction right? Turn on compatibility versus the chemistry born out of the adrenaline of chaos, fear, trauma bonds, the familiarity, right? If you sense in somebody, there's like a recognition of, I know this person. I know this anger pattern. I know this avoidant pattern. I know this people-pleasing pattern. We can misinterpret that familiarity, that rush. The, you know, we call it chemistry and passion, and sometimes it's actually chaos and a trauma bond and our attachment systems getting activated. And in our body, adrenaline is adrenaline. So it's up to our own self-awareness and our psyche healing to learn the difference is this adrenaline from passion and excitement and a new relationship or is this adrenaline from my attachment systems being activated my trauma bonds being activated is it the i know you right on a my my father you're basically my father right not in a good way sometimes you know yeah yeah i think that that 
so many of our listeners have been through high conflict situations. And so I think that that point is so crucial to, you know, you, you had mentioned that to me when we spoke before the podcast and it, it just wasn't on my radar. It, it, I never even would have considered it. And yet it actually is a, a really important, and I could see where it would be this powerful draw that's misinterpreted that could be stepping into the slippery slope of back where you started type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it happens in the reverse where you will, if you are wired and patterned and used to, dysregulation or attachment system with triggers or chaos or conflict, then when you meet a stable, safe, grounded person, you might feel bored Yes, and, and mistake that as we don't have chemistry. I'm not attracted to them, right? I'm not like excited about them. When really it's that you are so used to living in such an activated state that yes. stability feels boring and you think it means a lack of chemistry. And actually, that's an indication that you need to heal your own nervous system so that stable can feel safe. And within that is so much excitement and polarity and chemistry and connection. Alea, there is a word that you have now said about 10 times, and I, I just, I just want to highlight it for the listeners. And the word is safe. Mm. And you have just mentioned safe over and over and over again. And I think for good reason. So I just, I kind of wanted to just put a spotlight on so much of what you're talking about is when you're at this point at this crossroads of, am I going to commit? um, How safe is it? Mm-hmm. How safe do I feel? I love that you noticed that. And I can actually explain it on a brain level, on a developmental level. Our brain is divided into three states. So the lower portion is our survival state, which is where safety takes place. The middle portion is our emotional state, which is where connection regulation, intimacy, emotions take place. And the top portion is our executive state, which is where our executive functioning skills live, all of our problem-solving skills, rational thinking, et cetera. And our brain works from bottom up. When it is flowing well, when everything is in order, we work from bottom up. So only when safety is in place, can we experience connection? Right. And only when we are connected can we learn and acquire skills and problem solve. And so, yeah, when I talk about safety in relationships, it's the groundwork. You cannot connect with somebody that you don't feel safe with, right? It's like I grew up in New York City. And so, you know, riding the subway in New York just my entire life for two decades. And I mean, if you've ever ridden the subway in New York City, there's there's a lot of interesting characters there, right? Yes, there are. <laughs> I always give this example of like, you know, when people think that they just want to connect with people that aren't safe because they love them, right? I mean, you know, if you're riding on the train in New York and, you know, uh, you know, a, a homeless person walks in who's maybe clearly not medicated, right? And they are 
exhibiting like, you know, signs of um, mental illness or, or erratic behavior. And they sit down right next to you and they start going, I love you. I want to marry you. I'm going to treat you like a queen. I'm going to be the best person you've ever had. I'm going to take care of you, baby. I just want to love you forever. Right. Are you just like, oh, oh, okay, I'm in. Let's connect. Right. Obviously not. Why? Right. Because it's incredibly unsafe. There's no safety yet. So we don't just want to connect with people who just want to love us. That's not enough for us. Real connection requires safety. And I think that for so many of our listeners, you can connect this to um, your your marriage. And especially for our high conflict people, it's like, you know, there, there is always the fight over, you know, sex. Well, if you weren't feeling safe, if someone had just like threatened you or called you names or like what whatever was happening in your household and then you're feeling shameful or guilty because all my spouse wants is intimacy and gosh, what's wrong with me? I don't I, I don't I'm not feeling it. It's that safety piece. And so now as you go back out into the world and start looking for a new partner, I, I just love how much you've highlighted that and how absolutely critical it is as a cornerstone of, of dating and moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And think about any relationship in your life. I think so often when we're focusing so much on dating or romantic relationships, we kind of perceive those as the relationship in our life. And we can forget how so much of our platonic relationships are actually some of our greatest teachers or have mm -hmm. so much intimacy, so much for us to learn. You know, I always say that I healed my attachment wounds in my relationship with my best friend, mm -hmm. not through my marriage or divorce or subsequent marriage. My, my, my best friend, you know, I learned what safe love was, what safe connection was, what true unconditional love, partnership, communication, mm -hmm vulnerability. I practiced all of that with my best friend. And I don't even like the term platonic relationships because I have more intimacy with her than almost anybody in the world. Right. So, so especially those of you coming from traumatic marriages or high conflict relationships, hone in on the relationships in your life where there is safety and there is healthy love and there is real intimacy and use those as your northern star use those as your guiding lights what happens here that works for me what happens here that feeds me that honors me and bring that self of yours into the dating space that's so funny. I would always say to people, um, my business partner is Lisa Brick. And I would say, if I could just find Lisa in a man's body, I would, I would be great because we have like the most amazing friendship and partnership. And so, so they're there. And, and I think that even after you get out of uh, uh, your marriage, after divorce, the whole idea of relationship, I love that you just said that. There isn't one relationship. There, there, There's the relationship with your family, with your kids, with your friends, with your neighbors, with whatever your house of worship. Like, there's so many relationships where you can really practice this kind of stuff that you're talking about. Um, and, and then bring all of that in when you're ready to start dating. So, so that's, 
just a great point. Thank you so much, Alea. Yeah, sure. So I think we have one more um, one more tip that you're going to give before we um, tell people how they can reach you and and begin to wrap up. And what's that? So this is what I call the who versus what. And it was really, really life-changing for me when I put it into words for myself and started teaching it to my clients. When we are building relationships, when we are seeking partnerships, we're looking for compatibility in a who, right? Who do I want to be in a relationship with? What type of personality? What type of looks? What type of hobbies? What type of energy, right? The who I'm drawn to, who I'm attracted to, who I like. And then there's the what. What do I want in a relationship? What type of lifestyle? What type of financial bracket do I want to live in? What type of values do I want for my home? What type of priorities are important to me, right? Do I want a, a relationship where we prioritize um, adventure and, and going out into the world and experiencing nature? Do I want the type of relationship and home where we prioritize spirituality and religious connection? Or do I want the type of relationship where we prioritize, you know, giving back to the world or raising, um, you know, children who are self-aware and confident? Do, I, do we value home? Do we value whatever that is, right? So, there's the who versus what. And so, so often what I see people doing is choosing one over the other, sacrificing mm -hmm. one for the other. So they'll meet somebody and it's all the who, right? I'm attracted to you. I like your personality. We have fun. It's good to hang out with you. And then when I look at the what, like, okay, you know, you don't really have a stable career just yet. And so you wouldn't necessarily be ready to uh, have kids or provide for a family. And, you know, I am ready for kids and, you know, but like, but we have so much fun and, and they're so nice and we have such good chemistry and boom, we've sacrificed. We've given up the what in order to keep the who. And sometimes this happens on more extreme levels, right? I, I had a client in the past who was just madly in love with this guy who has a girlfriend. So, and then, and she knows, and right? So it's like, she has the who down pat, right? She really likes him and they have a good relationship, right? You know, and she's attracted to him and, you know, but the what is missing. She wants commitment. She wants fidelity. She wants integrity, right? right? So, and we do this a lot or, we flip it where we're so set on the what mm. we're ready for a relationship and we're ready for a family and we have the financial means and we've met this really, you know, nice person who that checks up all the boxes, right? You know, they, they also, they have the same vision for kids and they have the same vision for their, their life goals and we're you know, financially compatible and we, we share values. But then when it comes to the who, I mean, like, bored around them and we don't really have much to talk about and our chemistry is a bit low I'm not particularly attracted to them but you know we could have a nice life together so again we're sacrificing the who in exchange for the what 
And a lot of this comes down to whether it's scarcity mindset or limiting beliefs, Mm. fears, whatever that is, right? There's all the whys that we do that. But what I really love to encourage people and empower people and remind people is that the, the, the green flag and what you deserve and what's possible for you is not who versus what, but who and what. You are looking for your who and your what. The green flag is when they combined, when they combine and you have it in one person. And I just really want to empower everybody to believe that not only does it exist out there, but it is possible for you. You can have your who and your what. And it really starts with you, A, believing that, and then B, claiming that for Mm. yourself, and C, not accepting less. And I think that that's probably for so many people, you've gone on a couple of dates and it feels so good and you've been so lonely or boy, there's more of a connection here than there's been in my last 10 dates. And just that monkey mind and kind of like, let me justify and rationalize. And, you know, it's been a little slim pickings and am I being too critical? And like, I could just imagine all the things that we can say to talk ourselves out of what we know, what our intuitive knowing is that he or she just really doesn't fit the bill Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and yeah and again I want to bring in that grace piece again that reminder that your who and what is not everything no one person is everything you need to get clear on what are your real priorities what are your non-negotiables what are your negotiables and anchoring in that no one person is supposed to have everything for you it's like esther perel who i'm obsessed with right you know she says like modern day relationships it's like you want them to be your lover and your partner and your best friend and your confidant and your pleasure and your and your and your business partner and your gym body no one person is meant to be everything for you but getting that clarity on what your personal who and what is and pursuing that beautiful Alea, your content is just off the charts. It's this has been this is so valuable, and I, and I know everyone listening is thinking the exact same thing. How can people find you? And um, and I know you have a free, a really interesting free giveaway that we're going to talk about in a minute. But first, how do how do our listeners find you? So thank you for asking. Right now, the best way to find me is through my Instagram account, Alea B Coaching. I'm in the process of building out my website, which possibly by the time this podcast airs will actually be ready. And it would be aleabcoaching.com. So either way, and find me through one of those places. And I have many courses that I have given in the past, sex courses, I've given a course on erotic blueprints, dating courses, relationship courses on attachment styles and imago work and generational patterns. And even we've spoken about sex. I actually have a course on teaching parents and adults how to teach kids how to raise sexually healthy 
sexually safe and sexually empowered children from birth through late teens. Wow. So the best way to really connect with me and access my work is through my courses and my Instagram page. And this freebie, which is part of my mailing list, is I created this game the same way we were talking about how it can be so difficult to talk about sex. It's a lot easier to answer questions than it is to just offer up information. There is a safety and there is a comfort in each of you taking turns to answer questions. But so many of us don't know the questions to ask or we're worried about being judged for coming up with certain questions, but we want to know. So this game that I've created is called Let's Talk Turn On. And it's 50 questions to ask and answer to deepen your erotic knowing of one another and discussing your sexual preferences, wants, needs, history, experiences, thoughts, and fantasies. It's a really great game to play with a partner. Let's talk turn on. Love the name too. That's great. That's awesome. What what is your Instagram? Uh, Alea B Coaching. Alea B Coaching. So I am hoping that you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Alea, you are just a plethora of valuable information. And I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your experience, your wisdom, your guidance, your tips and tools with our listeners. This has been like so valuable. Thank you so much. I have so enjoyed our conversation professionally and more so specifically personally, because I feel like I'm talking to my people. You know, there's something about having gone through a divorce and the healing and, and mm. building new relationships there's something I think that it's like we can really understand one another. And so it really feels so meaningful to be of service to people who I, I know where you are. I, I, I have been where you have been. And, and even though I'm married again now, it, it, it never leaves you. Like you, you always have that divorce in you. And so it's just really meaningful for me to be of service to everybody in the way that people were for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important that our listeners have people like you to help guide them into that next chapter. And so thank you so much. Uh, please reach out. Um, all this information is going to be in the show notes. So you can get Leia's uh, free Let's Talk Turn On giveaway, as well as, you know, go to her Instagram page and her website and learn more about her other programs. This is our last episode of Life After Divorce, which I feel like has been going on for years. And we're following up with the beginning of relationship. And so there's going to be a whole new series on um, entering new relationships, uh, you know, what to do when you think about marriage marriage and everything else involved in communicating healthily. We're going to have a sensuality coach and a sex coach and a lot of other things going on there. So um, tune in for that. And until then, we will see you again soon. Thanks again, Alea. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com. 
where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.